Yo, hey, you tell them heaven is my destination. Until I reach there, I'm teaching this kingdom education. Hey, don't be scared to lay your hands on the sick. And don't be scared to cast the devil out quick. Cause your obedience will unlock a miracle, though. Don't act hysterical, radical, born to get fully. This is the Gospel Unbroken Podcast with Kevin and Alex. Let's awaken the lion. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Gospel Unbroken Podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin, and it's going to be a little different today. Um, Alex is gone. He's off doing some training and, and being a dad and all that stuff. So we have a guest today, and I will get to him in just a second. But on that note, I hope everybody had an amazing holiday celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We got the New Year right around the corner, which means go dogs. We got the college playoffs coming. So yeah, all good things. But I want to get to the the exciting part, which is the guest we have today. This is a great man. I did a, a men's group with him recently. He was the leader, and I've got to know a little bit about him. Um, and we're going to go through his story, which I only know a little bit about. So I'm just as pumped as you guys are. So without further ado, we got Aaron Newman with us. What's up, man? How's it going, man? Dude, all's good. What's up with you? Uh, you know, just living the dream, man. I'm you know, spending time with family, enjoyed the holidays, you know, doing all the, doing all the family things for kind of the first time in, in a long time for me because, because of, you know, the jobs that I've used to do in the past and the change that I've recently made in my life that's, you know, kind of brought me to where I am now. Yeah. And don't tell Alex about where we're recording because we've leveled up uh, full transparency. We normally record in my garage and we're on my freshly made new table here, bud. Oh yeah. You haven't this even is, seen it yet. This is the table. This is the table from, from yeah the fire night yeah yeah which i you know a little secret people this summer i want to do a fireside podcast episode so i don't know how i'm gonna do it yet but we're gonna get a group of guys together and sit around the fire and we're gonna record the podcast It'll yeah be sweet. that'll be sweet yeah so dude i'm glad you're here yeah um, i'm truly honored to be here truly like thank you so much for asking me yeah dude i, I you were at the top of the list of when Alex told me he's going to be uh, away for a while, he may pop back in and out, um, but it'll be a couple of weeks. But don't worry, guys. He is good. He will be back. I promise. Um, duty calls. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's it, man. The the duty calls. Um. So, yeah, dude, I, th- I think there's a lot of um, just a little bit I know about you, dude. I think there's a lot that people uh, that men can get from you. I, I the, the things I do know, you've had a pretty interesting <laughs> journey. Um, yeah, I'll say that. So. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just want to dive right into it. So again, thanks for being here. Um, yeah. So yeah, just tell us a little bit about you, man, who you are, where you're from, and, and we'll get after it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been a Christian for, I don't know, probably 12 years. Uh, you know, really came a long way to get to that point. Um, I have all kinds of things from, from my childhood and everything else that kind of kept me away from God. And then, you know, like Alex had talked about in several podcasts and things like that, you know, my whole, my whole life was me, me, me until, until I met my wife, Brandy. And she honestly is the one who changed everything for me. Um, You know, I was trying to, I had, I had, I was full transparency. I was married before, um, you know, most people at the church know that I had 
I had my kids and I had wanted to do everything to be everything I could for them. But my idea to do that was to work to get that and to go into this industry that I had to pour all my heart and soul into. And basically it was one of those things where I was, you know, completely away from my family and all of that. Like, you know, even if I was at home, I was checked out. I wasn't there. Um, but I was always trying to, in my head, trying to better them. That was kind of my goal was to try to get into something that would provide for them because my thought was that money would money. The more money that I bring in, the more money would, you know, that would make everything better. Yeah. Um, a lot of men think that. Yeah. And it took me a long time to realize that it has nothing to do with money. Yeah, um, that's the truth. And it, and it has everything to do with, you know, where you want to be with your kids and what you want to see. And I mean, I know in a lot of the podcasts that I've listened to from you guys in the past, I mean, even for me, I'm getting so much out of them um, because they bring up a lot of the questions. Like I had told you before, when you asked me about, you know, setting this all up, like it, it brings up the questions that men don't want to ask. Yeah. And a lot of that, you know, with me was, you know, I grew up with a father who was, you know, like Alex was in the, was in the Marines. Funny thing is like, he used to actually, um, they were both in, in the same unit in, in Portland where they're at, where they're stationed at the reserve unit. Like my dad, was, my dad was the company getting down there. Like when I was a kid. So, and for the record, everybody, uh, Aaron is also a Marine. So yeah. you guys, are, I mean, it's funny, man. You, it doesn't matter where you go. Somehow we always end up banding together. It's, it's really weird uh, at the church. Like there is, we literally have almost like a platoon of Marines at the church. Yeah. It's epic. So watch out people. We are everywhere. Yeah. And don't, don't try to come into our church. And do <laughs> yeah. anything. Bad, bad things will happen. Yeah. So, uh, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, when you were a kid, kind of what your, what your childhood was like with your dad being in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, and, and kind of what that was and kind of how that shaped the direction you started to go in life. So with me, um, I, I was always told as a kid that I did not know who my father was unless he was in uniform. He was in the reserves, but he would always bounce. He would always do the 180 day kind of, he would go on active duty for yeah. 180 days, like almost every year. So, and I didn't know what my dad did. I still to this day don't know what my father did in the Marine Corps completely. Um, he's always told me when he passes away that we'll, that we'll all know he, we all get a book and, and that kind of tells what he did. Um, I know that when I was a kid, the, the commandant of the Marine Corps used to call him by his first name. So that's, you know, something that's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, that means you're, you're important. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but he wasn't around a lot, so I kind of. I had my mom for everything. My mom did everything for me. Um, she was my disciplinarian. She was the one that kind of did everything. And then my dad would, when he would be around, he would want to take me out and do, you know, things with me. But the things that he would teach me were like things that he had left over from, you know, were carrying over from issues he had from Vietnam and things like that. So like we would go out fishing and we'd be walking along and he'd be like, this is how you need to walk. This is what you need to look for. This is what you need to do. And it was like at seven and eight years old, like that really messes with a kid's head. So, you're always on guard, man. You're always, and, and, you're, and yeah, and he's always teaching you like, you know, when you're in a situation like, hey, this is what you do, you know, hey, if you have a hat on, always have a hat on. So if you're coming to somebody like throw your hat in the air so you can get that quick second of it and, you know, attack. And I'm like six, seven years old. And so like that was my life. Like I always was ready to 
do whatever. So then I get into, I get into high school and I get around like, I didn't, I didn't know that we grew up in the ghetto. Like when I took my, when I took my wife back to where I grew up, like that was her first thing that she said was like, man, you, you lived in the ghetto. And I was like, I I didn't think it was like that bad, but like, maybe it was, but I, I was kind of surrounded by a lot of, a lot of the gangs and things like that. Like I grew up in Northern California in you know, the eighties and nineties. So it was just, you know, when I first moved down there, I was literally, my dad got transferred someplace and we moved and I was the only person who spoke English in my school. Um, so that kind of had an effect on me too. Like I literally was just fighting from that point on. And I think that's why my dad started doing that with me. But then we moved out of that area and we moved into a place where it wasn't really that bad, but I still had that same mentality. So I found the people who had that same mentality and that's the circle that I traveled in. Um, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, um, when, when I became a teenager, I was, I wasn't a bad kid, but I was, I was definitely hard to handle. And I had no problem like being around my mom. My mom would always like push onto me that she didn't want me to be the fighter because she knew that's how my, how my dad had like instilled all this stuff in me. So she basically trained me to be Ferdinand. So when I got to the new area that I was in, like people used to just beat up on me all the time. And I used to just let them beat me and just let it go and let it go. And then one day I stopped. And when I stopped, I snapped and I had this kid up against the wall, like choking the life out of him. And from that point on, nobody ever bullied me again. And everybody wanted me to be their friend because now I was, I was somebody who was scary because I was, I was an unknown because I could snap at any minute. And when I snap, I have no fear. And so that's kind of what drove me through high school. You know, I was just that one, like, Hey, let's go do this. Let's do that. Let's like cause trouble. Let's go out and do this. Like, let's go have parties all the time. And let's, you know, I grew up with those people and you know, that were in like, you know, growing the documentary murder mountain. Like I watched that oh, and yeah. I was like, Oh, Hey, I, I recognize a couple of those. Guys. I know. I know. Yeah. I know where that's yeah. at. So like I hung out with people like that and I, and you know, and we would go to parties and I remember the first time, like, the first time I got shot at, I was, I think I was 15 years old. And like, I remember hearing the bullets like whiz by my head and like hit the telephone pole behind me. And my first reaction was I got up and I started chasing the person who shot at me. I had absolutely nothing on me. And I was chasing after the guy yelling at him. If I catch you, I'm going to kill you. And like, at that point, like I knew that like I had to like figure out a way to harness that. So yeah, channel it. And then it was like, okay, well, I have to go into the Marine Corps. And then, you know, and then it was like, and then I channeled it and I got, I got all of that. And, you know, and I, and I got a little taste of God when, when I was in the Marine Corps, but I probably need to, I probably need to circle back a little bit. Because when I started getting into all that trouble, like my dad started getting involved and um, they sent me to a thing called Devil Pups, which is like, Marine Corps version of child boot camp, <laughs> child boot camp, um, scared straight, I yeah. guess you could say. Right. Um, and this was literally because I'm a little bit older than everybody else. This was literally after the first desert storm. So the people who were the instructors in it were all of the people who had been in trouble for doing something they weren't supposed to do over in, you know, 
in, yeah. in Iraq or, you know, yep. wherever they were. So these guys were not happy to have to deal with a bunch of delinquent children. And I was literally stuck in with mostly like gang members from like East LA and stuff like that. And it was brutal. And I loved every minute of it. And it. Do you think that was the spark? I was like, Ooh, I like this. I like this punishment. This is, this is good. I don't know if it was that, but I think it was like, I liked the power. I liked the, the things that it would do. And that was my thing. I enjoyed the respect that came from all of that. And that's what motivated me for a long time, which is even when I got out of the Marine Corps, like, I mean, I, when I went into the Marine Corps, I, my dad, when I joined, my dad told me, he's like, you're not going infantry, like period. And I said, okay. He's like, you're too smart for that. So, um, I went into law enforcement because I always wanted to protect people because my mom raised me to be a protector and always protect people. And so that kind of was where my little yin and yang was because I wanted to protect people, but I also enjoyed the power that came from it. So it was not necessarily a good thing for me. That's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Cause it can get really bad really quick. Yep. And so that's kind of how I lived the rest of my life. Like I just, whatever I wanted, like I was bigger, I was stronger. I, I, I knew that I could take it. I was going to take it from you. Like, and then when I got out, cause I got injured and I got, I, I was going to, I was going to have the surgery and I was going to stay in because my goal was always to be career Marine. And then I had a friend who went through and they did the wrong surgery on him. And I was like, no, that's it. Put me out. I'm done. Like, there's no way I'm letting a Navy doctor touch me. So I got out. I was 22 and had zero direction in my life. No idea what I was going to do. Been there. So I went back to California and I was there for about a month. And I was like, Every time I go out with my friends or every time I do anything, like people are pulling guns or we're doing, you know, bad things are happening to me. Like I don't need to be there. Isn't it crazy how in the blink of an eye you can, you can go right back to, it's like, you know, we talked about on the last episode, you know, the, you only dance with the devil, you know, and it's crazy because I did the same thing when I got out of the Marine Corps. I mean, I went right back to where I came from, which was the one thing I was trying to get away from. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, it just blows my mind that that's such a common story when, especially when it's guys who, who are motivated to get into the Marine Corps for, you know, reasons to get them out of trouble or get them away from trouble or get them away from family. And the first thing they do when they get out is go right back to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so common. It's, it's crazy. And, and I think that's just that you're going back to the devil, you know? And then all of the other things that the Marine Corps instills in you, all of the other negative things that you get from it, you know, aside from all the positive things that come from it. There is negatives. When you go back home, I mean, those just, you know, it's like, oh, hey, you know, you want to go out drinking? Sure. Oh, man, I've been I can drink Corps. with the best of them. Yeah, you, can, you ain't going to touch me. You ain't got nothing on me. And then it becomes a thing where, like, everybody's like, oh, man, this guy can do this and this guy can do that. And then, you know, next thing you know, everybody's wanting to do this. I... It's funny, like I, I got my, I got my first job working in a bar when I came up here into a real bar. When I came up here 
because they didn't want me to drink in the bar anymore because I was too much trouble. And they're like, hey. They thought, they thought hiring you was going to stop you from drinking in the bar? I, I actually didn't because oh. I, the one thing that my dad always instilled in me, my dad was, a, was an alcoholic too. Um, that was just how he dealt with his issues from everything else. Because he was in Vietnam, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So he was completely functional alcoholic, but he would never, when he was on the job, he was on the job. Like that was it. The minute he was off the job, he was off the job. And, you know, that's when, you know, he sits with himself and all the memories come back. So immediately that's when the alcohol starts. That's crazy. Dude. I think that's an era thing. Cause my, my grandpa, he was, um, he was in the army and you know, when he would deploy, he would smoke cigarettes, he'd drink mm-hmm. he'd do this. But every time he came home from deployment, it was nothing. Yeah. He'd stop smoking. He'd stop everything. So it was like, it was just that shift. That's interesting that you said that. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was kind of my thing. You know, I worked hard, played, played harder. Yeah. And I think a lot of men can relate to that. So, and then I got into, I got into, I worked in the bars for a little bit and then I got into the entertainment side of security. Like I worked like a couple of concerts and things like that. I did my first one when I was in, um, when I was actually going to MP school, we were flying into where our school was. That is now the federal law enforcement training facility in Anniston, Alabama. So we literally flew into this little town in the middle of nowhere in Alabama, which I'm sure that Alex knows exactly where it's at because, you know, he's from Alabama. But I'm pretty sure every Marine has stood security (laughs) at an event at one point in their career. I think I did two or three of them while I was in flight school down at the uh, San Diego, at the time, the San Diego Chargers games. Yeah. They'd be like, all right, who's volunteering? And nobody raised their hand. And then it's like, okay, well. Yeah. Y'all are going. Well, with us, the funny thing was like the airport in town was like literally the only, I don't know how they flew us in there. Cause I don't even think there was a tower or anything. Like we flew from Atlanta into this in like the smallest plane I'd ever been in, in my life. Like I, I felt like it was like a crop duster and we land and they're like, Hey, you guys are Marines, right? And we're like, yeah. They're like, we need somebody to work security at this event. We'll make sure you guys get to base. Cause we had no idea where we were and we're like, okay, well we have to check in by midnight. They're like, Oh, this thing's done by like 10. Okay. So we, that's like literally got me like into it. And I was like, dude, this is pretty cool. Like everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody wants to do this. Like this is pretty cool. Um, so then I started doing some events, um, up here I was working. So I had kids at the time and I was trying to, I was still thinking about going back into law enforcement when I was with, um, when I was with my, my ex-wife and I had taken the test and gone and done everything to go to the border patrol. Um, literally was going, waiting for my academy date. That's literally all I had left. And she basically gave me the ultimatum that if I went, I would never see my kids again because she didn't want to leave Washington. And I was like, but I literally like, that was my career. I had my life. I, I had my purpose again. Like you you know, giving me all this again and now you're just taking it away. Um, so I stayed and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go get a regular job and I'll go be miserable and do whatever. Cause that's what, you know, I'm not going to not be there for my kids because I didn't want to be like my dad. Um, so then I did that, took a job hated the job, wasn't really making enough money. I was like, Hey, I always done security on the side. I'll just take this job because they're saying they're hiring for event security. Went to work for this company, um, came in on the first day, 
they sent me to my first event. The next day they came in, they gave me a different shirt and they're like, Hey, you're going to be in charge of a crew today. And I was like, Oh, okay. Came in the third day. They're like, Hey, um, you're going to be in charge of the arena today. And I was like, but I don't know what I'm doing. They're like, Oh, you're fine. You, we can tell you'll be fine. Um, two weeks later, they offered me a job to be like the operations manager. And I was literally doing events at like the gorge and white river and running like 300 person crews. And it was, it was awesome. It was where I wanted to be. It was the step that I wanted to take. I literally quit my other job because I thought this was everything. And then the entertainment industry hits you. And tell me about that. So it was, I'd already made peace that I was going to be with my, you know, I was going to stick around for my, for my kids. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a Christian at the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick around for my kids. I'm just going to be that dad that's there. And I don't care about her. She's my roommate, whatever. Right. She's already basically told me she's taken my life away from me. And like, I, I have no, I have no feelings for this woman anymore. So I, I mean, I was a cheater. Like I did whatever, like you're in the entertainment industry, man. Like women are throwing themselves at you. And so like, yeah, I had fun and I did whatever I wanted. And honestly, the worst part was I didn't, really have any I didn't really have any guilt at the time and and that was the part that kind of sucked because I mean even growing up away from you know the church and away from Jesus and everything else like I still believed in God yeah yeah like my mom instilled that much in me even my dad did even though he was so far from it because of the things that he had done he felt like he wasn't worthy to be loved by God or to even be, you know, which goes, you know, against everything the gospel tells us. Exactly. Which is why we're doing this. Yeah. Like men need to hear these things. Yeah, like, exactly. And no one is too far. And so like, I, I just, I guess decided that's how I was going to live my life. And I was going to, and, and the funny, the funny thing was like, so through the job that I had, I had met Brandy through her husband at the time um, who had worked for me. So this is where the story gets really. This sounds a little bit hairy. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people are going to think of it that way, but it's, it's really, it's in our eyes, it's not. And whatever the other people think, it's whatever the other people think. Um, so we were both in, really bad relationships at the time. And we had both like, I had already told my wife at the time that I was, I was done. Like I couldn't keep doing it anymore. Like I couldn't, I couldn't keep lying to her, lying to myself, lying to my kids and everything else. Like I was, I I just, I couldn't, she was, she was at the time, she was very mentally abusive towards me. So like she would basically call me all kinds of names and put me down. And I was like, you know, whatever, like, you know, I just, I was, I won't say I was suicidal, but I literally had those thoughts where, you know, like this world would be so much better if I wasn't in it right now. Um, not that I would ever carry out those thoughts, but it was like literally those thoughts that men have that like a lot of times it's like, you know what, this world would be a better place if I wasn't in it. People would have it so much better. And it was like, it's not what it is. You would be, I mean, you might not be cause you're, you're admitting to it. Um, I mean, I've been there and you'd be, it's crazy how many how many guys get to that point where it's like you said, they're not suicidal, but the thought of like, man, 
I'm tired of this. It's that like, it's that desperation. It's yeah. not suicidal. It's just that yeah. desperation. Which is like, all too common in, in the veteran world. I mean And it and it's also that point where I didn't recognize it at the time was that was when I should have been reaching out to God. Yep. And that feeling that I had was the conviction of what I should have been doing, but because I didn't know it at the time, yeah, I, I, I didn't recognize it. Mm-hmm. So, and there's that thing in the way called pride. A hundred percent. And at the same time, Brandy was going through a lot and we, we had just started talking about um, our situation and, and yeah, after her relationship ended and my relationship ended, like ours started very quickly. So and you, course, and you said it was, Sorry, you said it was her her husband that was in the security industry, or he, she was? He worked with me. In, okay. Yeah, okay. so like we had known each other, and yeah, we had yeah. done things. And and I knew of his story, and he knew of mine. And again, it was that whole entertainment thing. Like we knew, like neither one of us were walking the right path. And I will say now, like he, he, is, he is a Christian, and he goes to church and everything else. And, you know, we do not have the strongest relationship. Um, but I, I, I do think that he has come a long way from where he was. And I'm really glad that he has made that step to follow God as we all are. Um, yeah. And you know, everything else aside, like I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he has made that decision. And, you know, he at least, he at least raises the daughter that we share together as a Christian, which helps. Um, and it makes things a lot easier. So yeah, after that, like, okay, so you're heavy in the security world. You're getting, heavy in the entertainment industry. Yep. You've now, that's, um, that's, that's where I want to go. My goal at this point, And, and, you know, even talking to Brandy about it, my goal at this point was to be on tour, was to go on tour because that's the only place in the security industry where you make the real money. Okay. But the real money comes with major sacrifice. And the money is still driving you at this point. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, uh, you know, we kind of talk about it and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing to do that, but I still recognize that I have a family that I have to take care of. So I have to, I have to have some stability in my life. So, and she's super supportive of me, 100% everything that I do. She's like, you know, if that's your dream, like, go ahead and chase it. Like, I'm going to be here. And she took care of everything while I was out running around chasing a dream that was never going to happen for me. Now, was was Brandy following Jesus at this point? Like, was she in the church or? She had grown up not in the church. Not to get into her too much. Just to so she had grown up in the church. So we had, she started, she was going to church. Because through it all, like she had found, she had gotten back into a relationship with Jesus. And because of her, of course I would go because she, she basically not, she basically got me at a point where I was at my lowest and showed me that I still had value. And it was funny because like everybody I brought around, I brought her around, just loved her. And it was just something about her. And I just knew that like, okay, whatever she does, like I have to follow that because like, that's what it is. So she started going back to the church that she had grown up in and we went there for a long time. And that's actually where I made the decision to follow Jesus. And I, you know, um, really started then. And it was even before her and I were actually married. 
Um, and we went through and I was baptized. And then right after that, I baptized her. So we basically started our lives again from like, for us, it was, it was, I don't know if it was for us or if it was more for me, it was really important for, for me to start our lives at that point. It was like a complete reset. Like that's what I wanted. And she gave me that opportunity to reset my life to the life that I wanted. And she was so supportive of me and was willing to put everything aside for me to chase dreams and do all of that, which was, which was amazing. And I'd never had any support like that. Literally everybody that I introduced to her loved her. And I was like, I, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, well, you're still being pulled now between your faith hundred percent in the secular world. And, and, and then from that point is when the battle begins. It, it really is because as I've discovered the, the more that you walk with Jesus, the more the devil wants you. Oh yeah. That's what they say. And, you know, if you're, if everything in your life is, is going good, you're not facing any troubles or hardships or things like that. It's because you're not walking the right walk. Yeah, the the devil doesn't really care about you right now because yeah. you're not you're not you're no threat to him. Yeah, you're no threat to him. Um, yeah, and and at that point too, it's like, you know, like we talked with Mike when he was talking about, um, how he's kind of drinking in college and stuff, and then he kind of went to the church and he noticed that like his friends group and stuff like that changed. That's the freshest that your previous life is in your memory. So I think that when you make that shift, that is. So one of the hardest points in your faith is going to be that initial transition because it's right there. Mm-hmm. I just walked through that door and I can turn around and look and see what I just left behind. And it's still pretty fresh. Like there's still some good things back there. You know, the devil right. telling you like, oh, yeah. no, 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 don't go that way. Come back, come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you navigate that? It it was poorly. Yeah. <laughs> poorly for a long time. Um, it was very tough because I worked in an industry where Christianity was a joke. Oh yeah. And Hollywood. And, and it was really hard because like you're around these people who, if you look at them from, from one viewpoint, a lot of things about them are good. And you want to look past all the negative things about them to just see the good. And, and you being in the position you're at, you have a very different vantage point. And, and, and then as the Christian, it's like, well, I, I want to, I want to show them that not all Christians are like that because I worked in Seattle. What's everybody's example of the Christian in Seattle? The guy that you see outside of the stadium, that's got the bullhorn and he's yelling at everybody with the fire and brimstone and, and, and that's what everybody thinks. And it's like, that's, that's not what it is completely. If you want that, like I can give you that. But that's not what it is. And it's, it's trying to show people, you know, the love and all of that. And like trying to show them that like, hey man, I can, I can not agree with anything that you, that you say, but I can still stand here and I can still take care of you and I can still love you. And that was kind of my thing with security is like, it was my job to take care of the people that couldn't take care of themselves. And that's why I think I stayed in it so long. It's like, I tried so hard to take care of these people who didn't want 
to be taken care of, didn't care about themselves or anything else. And I was like, Oh, somebody needs to care about them. So like at, like I was at, I was at one venue for a long time. And as you know, like my family was in, like my family would come down and come to shows and things like that. And people would, I got the nickname after, after a while. Like I was, I was, I was Papa. I was Papa bear. So like I was there, I took care of everybody. You look like a Papa bear. Yeah. And like, that was, that was the thing. Like I wouldn't let anybody get, you know, taken advantage of like, if you know, we were doing like a rave show or something like that. And I saw something that was kind of sketchy. Like I literally just would not let that happen. Yeah. Like, like I would, I would make it uncomfortable for the dude. Like, yeah, it's just above and beyond your call of duty as, as the security guy. But as a father who's like, Hey, like, I know that like your dad wouldn't like what's going on here or, Mm -hmm. you know, or being just being that person that's like, Hey, somebody's got to look out for you guys because you're not looking out for yourselves. And like, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was really tough for me. And then, um, and then at one point I was like, I need more stability. Like, I started doing, I went down to, I went down and did Coachella, um, because I had a friend who told me that, um, that he has gotten me on tour. It was a friend that had worked for me in the past and he'd, he'd worked his way up and he was like, Hey, there's a tour coming up. I got you a spot on it. So I quit my job that I was doing my regular, you know, steady job where I worked for the schools and was doing a lot of stuff with that and was my really rewarding job. I walked away from that. There were a couple of other things going on at the time that I, that I didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily agree with, with some of the things and I, and things that I'd done, uh, there and that were going on there. But, um, I really, I felt that I had my opportunity. It was my time and I talked to Brandy about it and, you know, I, I'll say that I prayed about it, but really it was one of those, you know, Hey God, you know, if you let me do this, like type of things, like it wasn't a real prayer. It wasn't a genuine one. Um, uh, let's be real. The money was calling. Yeah. And it was, and it was the, it was the money. It was the, the notoriety. It was the, you know, kind of that thing of my thing was always building made up. it. Yeah. Always building up in a community, which is the funniest thing is in this, in the security community, being known in a community where nobody wants to be known. Like, you know, it's, it's, it was that was kind of one of the thing that pushed me. I wanted to be one of the, one of the people who were, you know, elite in that industry. And I thought that, you know, doing that would be able to lead to other things. And it really just didn't either because I wasn't willing to go all into what I needed to do because of my, because of my values, or I was just held back because I couldn't, I couldn't really be away from my kids for that long because it was tough. Um, so I quit my job. I took my, I took the first leap of faith and it was like the first, it was like the test run. So I went down to Coachella and that was really, really challenging, but the money was really, really good. Like, I mean, I think I came back after that month and I made probably like two or three times than I'd ever made in a month, but I had worked myself to death to do it. Um, Coachella's like what a week long or something like that. So I was there for a little over a month. Oh. Um, on average, non-show days we worked twelve-hour days. Um, on a non-show day. On a non-show day, basically getting everything set up, doing all the security and everything, because security there's twenty-four hours. The minute that they start building everything, it's twenty-four hour security. Yeah. Um, so non-show days it was about twelve hours, so twelve to fourteen hours. And then show days, my call was a 20-hour day. And 
so yeah, I mean, like literally we just, we slept when we could and everything else. And then it's the entertainment industry. Like, Hey man, I'm tired. You know, anybody that's got anything that's going to keep me awake. That's like being like, deployed all over again. Oh yeah. So it's like, Hey man, somebody's got, somebody's got Adderall. Somebody's got this. So you're popping Adderall and it's like, Oh man, I've had too much Adderall. Now my feet are hurting. Oh man, somebody's got this. So you just it, literally like popping pills is just like, like taking like having breakfast in, in that industry. And I had gotten to the point where I was like that. It was like coffee, cigarettes, a handful of whatever I had. And that was how I survived the day. And I just knew that it wasn't sustainable. And I knew that it didn't make me feel good. But I was still motivated by the money. And I was pulled because I wanted to take care of my family. And I thought this was the only way to take care of my family. It's like, I'm killing myself, but it's like, but I'm going to take care of my family. And I think after the second time that I went, I was like, I can't keep doing this. Did Brandy ever say anything? Like, did she, could she tell that? I mean, whether it was, you know, on a phone call or, you know, when you came back after a month and a half, like, the, the I mean, transformation of she who always, you were when you left and when you came back. I, mean, I can only knew. imagine what you looked like in that month and a half. Yeah. I mean, she always knew like, but she was always, she was always going to support me. She was going to let me reach my own decision because also she knows me. You can't right. tell me anything. Yeah. You which tell a lot anything. of men. Which yeah. is, yeah. You tell me anything and it, and it's on. So she knew to just let me come to it myself, even though she probably couldn't stand it because she's watching me kill myself. I think it'd be interesting um, to get like, to circle back around and have a conversation with Brandy and talk to her about a hundred percent. I think it would be because yeah, I've about never... her, about her perspective, you know, on the other side of this, this mirror that like, yeah, when he's gone, you know, was she, was she praying for you? Was she, you know, what was her thoughts? What was going through her mind? I, I just, I don't know. My brain went there. Like it'd be interesting for men to hear mm-hmm. the perspective of what's on the other the side. Other side. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I, I, I think that'd be interesting. I'm putting it that's, out here. Brandy, we're calling you out. Girl. <laughs> that's a cool idea actually. Yeah. Um, but I think after the second time I came, I came home and I was like, man, I can't, I can't keep doing this because it was such a hustle. Yeah. Like I'd come home and like wouldn't work for like a month, which was awesome. Cause I'd be hanging around with the kids and the kids would love it. And like dad was there and they'd get used to dad being there. And it's like, okay, I got to go work, you know, this festival, you know, somewhere here. And I'm, even though I come back home every day, you know, it's still 18 hours. So I'm coming home, I'm going to sleep and I'm up before you're, you know, all of that. So like it, it was tough for them because it was like, you know, hit or miss with dad. So there was you never no, know who you're going to get. Well, yeah, and there was also no structure with them. They didn't know when yeah. I was going to be home. They didn't know anything else. And and that was kind of one of the things that 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 had kind of changed for me. And I was like, I really want that structure. I really want to be home for my kids. Unfortunately, now at this point, the only thing I know is security. Which so, is like, scary. what do I do? Because, I mean, at this point, how old are you? Mm, probably just turned 40. Just turned 40. You yeah. have, what, three kids? Four. Four. So, four little ones at home. Yeah. And it's like. So four, 40 years old. Four, and, and, four. During, and during this whole time, we still tried to juggle that Brandy didn't really work. 
Yeah. So she stayed home with the kids because, well, they were little too. So it was hard to be able to have somebody go out and do that. So she would work some part-time things here and there, yeah. but it was mostly relying on my income, which was that's stressful tough. on me because my world consisted of a hustle. That's a tough leap of faith to take when oh, so man. many, when so many things are on your shoulders. And we had talked about that. That was the, that was the, that was the thing that we had talked about. It's like, you know, the thing about taking the leap of faith is, you never know how far that fall is when you jump. I, I heard a video one time. Um, and if it's the right leap of faith, because you may hit the bottom. And I feel like that that was my thing. And that was what God let me do. Yeah, I, I heard this video. My um, uh, Well, he's now my ex-brother-in-law. He was married to my sister. Um, super good dude. But he, he showed me this video one time. It was of Steve Harvey. And he was talking... Um, it was, I forget what I was doing at the time. I think I was debating on whether I was going to move to California or, or something like that. And he showed me this video and he's talking about jumping. And and he, Steve Harvey, you know, he's great. And, and the way he said it, he goes, he, he talks about, you know, I got this, this, uh, this, this friend, he owns a landscaping company in Chicago and he makes $5 million a year and he goes on list. And then he says, he says, but you're never going to know until you jump. And he said, you got you to gotta take the jump. You got to jump off the cliff. And when you first jump, your parachute ain't going to open right away. It's going to be a fall. You're going to hit some rocks. You're going you're gonna to stumble a little bit. But when that parachute opens, you're going to be soaring over that whole valley. And so, yeah, it's that leap of faith. Like you got, In order to get from A to B, you got to make the jump. But the jump is scary. Oh, yeah. And you don't know how hard the impact is going to be. Well, and the funny thing is, you know, being still being a quote unquote Christian at the time, not walking the Christian, the Christian faith, but, you know, claiming to be one like, you know, you know, I start noticing things and I start I start realizing that like it was when the thing that I always got that always got me was there's no coincidences. Once I realized there's no coincidences in life, my whole perspective on everything changed. And, you know, I, I, I kind of look back and I've, and I look back and I, and I've, I spent time thinking about it like before any of this. And it's like, you know, I took that leap of faith, not realizing that it was the wrong leap. And God was like, go ahead and jump. Yeah. You, you think you got this jump. And then I hit hard. He was like, hey, you okay? You, you, you ready to do it the right way now? Yeah, here, take my hand. Here, here I am. And it was like, and it was just little things. And because I remember, and I think I even, I, I think I used this when I told a little bit of my testimony in the men's group, is I, I met a guy doing an event once. And I don't know how the whole thing came up. And it was one of those quick passing things. I couldn't tell you what the guy looked like or anything, but we had talked about, you know, where I was at the time and how I was there. And, and I, it's always kind of a joke on how many times I'd been married because even in the Marine Corps, there's, you know, there's that one. And when you guys had that whole story, like I just <laughs> laughed about that, but there's always but, the one. And I, and I told the guy and I was like, you know, I'm just a late bloomer. And he looks at me and he's like, no man, you're not. He's like, you're a really slow learner. And I was like, I was like, you are so 
Right. That's why I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> and and it was like when he said that to me, like my whole perspective on everything changed. So like it's like when I had struggles and everything from that point, it was like I would look at Brandy and I'm like, God's trying to tell me a lesson and I'm just not getting it. And so I came back and I started looking for jobs. I ended up getting a job in hospitality, which was completely off the wall for me, but it was security and it was hospitality. So I liked people and I knew security. So it was, it was, it was something for me that I thought was going to be really easy. Um, had a really great boss, loved the place that I was at, hated the fact that I commuted four hours a day, but great people that I was surrounded with and kind of brought my perspective back, allowed me to refocus on my family and have a little bit of a routine and start to see a little bit of what my life could be like if I just, you know, would do certain things. At, at that time, were you noticing, were you starting to notice, um, like, the impacts of the life you were previously living on your children at that time? Did you start to notice that? Did that have any, and maybe you didn't, but, you know, if you did, did that have any, like, any driving, like, oh, man. Like I can see that, you know, the lack of, of my presence or my, my consistency of, mm -hmm. of the way I'm, I'm living, the way I'm working is now impacting my children. I, th I think I did, but I don't think I really let it register. Yeah. Um, it's, it's still one of those things where it's like, I, I feel like I was kind of thinking about it. Like everybody thinks like, you know, becoming a Christian, like some people think like, oh, your life's going to be great and it's going to be this. And it's like, no, you're, you're, you're promised that dive back into the scriptures yeah. you're promised your life will not be that way and it's like yeah. you know talking about like one of your one of your past podcasts you had talked about like kids you know the do as i say not as i do thing and it wasn't so much that i noticed the lack of everything but i can see the mannerisms that my kids have that really amplify the negative things that i don't want to see. So basically they're a reflection of my past all the time that tell me like, Hey man, look at where you look at where you were. How are you going to fix that? Because I don't have to fix it in myself, but I have to guide them so that they don't make, like I was just having this conversation with my daughter, um, about like, she's going to have to make her own choices and she's going to have to be responsible for the consequences of those. But my job is to guide her and give her the best advice that I can, knowing that she's going to do whatever she wants to do. And all I can do is be there for her no matter what. I can shepherd you and I can pray for you. Yeah. And that's, but, that's it. And, and, and you know, the time that, that we have to do that is so short. Oh, it's such a small window. And for me, like coming to the realization that I had wasted, and that's just it. I had wasted that time chasing down something that was a completely selfish thing. And the fact that I still had a family that was there willing to let me come back when I had figured it out was amazing to me. And it's still to the, I mean, I still every single day screw up. Like, oh, I, screw, yeah. I mean, way more than I ever get it right which is the other thing that's like, you know, the conviction that you have, it's like, you know, when you come on, it's like, how do I tell my story? How do I tell people this when I still screw up so many times a day, but then you go back to the scripture and it's like, that's exactly who Jesus chose. That is the story. Like that's exactly who Jesus chose. 
like, Hey man, like you, you're not going to get it right, but you're going to be bold and you're not going to know why. And people are just going to be like, these are ordinary men, but we can tell there's something special about them. Well, I mean, check it out in James. You know, the very first thing he says in James is when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. I mean, I talked about this before, but you notice there that he says when trouble comes your way, mm-hmm. not if, not anything. He says when right out the gate, but it's, it's a, like you said, it's a great, it's a great joy. This is an opportunity now for us to, to grow. And we get those opportunities as men every day. Multiple times a day. Every day. Yeah. And when we get it wrong, hey, guess what? There's another opportunity right coming right down the road. That's it. It's, you know, it's how many times how many times you need to get hit in the head with it before you get the before you get the answer. Yeah. And I, I have to get hit in the head a lot. Like that's just I feel you, dude. I got a, <laughs> like I, I got a big old scar on the back yeah. of my head to back that statement up. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, yeah, so you're now in the hospitality security, Mm -hmm. um, and you're, you're starting to build that routine back up with your family and stuff. So when did, uh, cause you know, I know where you're at now. So when did, when did you start being pulled even more towards Jesus? When did he, when did, what, what started driving you that way? Cause I know you're not in that industry anymore. Um, I know where you were a few months ago and I know where you are now. So like, Keep us on that road of like, where, 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 how did that go? So I, I got into hospitality and I really liked it. Uh, like I said, I had a really amazing, um, had a really amazing GM when I first got into it. Great. You know, had an idea of where I wanted to go, worked for what I thought was a pretty good company. I mean, there's, you know, downsides to everything, but overall, um, they were a pretty good company and then COVID hit and like, Oh Came literally came into work one day and they were like, Hey, we're going to shut down for a couple of days and, um, we'll call you back and let you know when, when it's time. And that was two and a half years. And they called me back and they were like, Hey, the job that you used to have doesn't exist anymore. So at that time I had what, what I thought was a friend who was just starting a security company and Again, I don't know. Yep. He's pulling them back. Pulling me back. Pulling them back. And that's the devil. Like, let's just, 100%. before you keep going any further, I just want to stop and help you men recognize that is the devil, oh. right? He, the devil seizes the opportunity. He saw the moment of weakness. Like, and the only reason I'm pointing this out is because, because mm. I fail at this often. Men fail at this all the time. Like the, the, the discernment and the ability to recognize good and evil. Mm-hmm. And the devil saw that moment of weakness and he, he put a big shiny bow on it and said, Hey, I'm your friend. This is really good. This can take care of your family. Come with me. Yep. And I, I have a feeling I know where this is going. Yeah. So I got into that and it, it did not go the route that I had wanted. Um, my wife got involved in it. Um, it, was such a strain on my family, such a strain on our marriage, such a strain on everything else. Um, it got to a point where my partner in the company at the time was going on vacation. We had been running this thing for a little over a year. Neither one of us, at least and I was told, had taken a paycheck. So, like, I'm literally at the time living off of the unemployment 
that I was getting trying to get this business off the ground with this person who I thought was my friend who had told me all of these things and I never gotten anything on paper. And, and honestly, really at this point today, I'm so glad that I didn't um, because God totally pulled me away from that one and saved me. But it, uh, let's just say he went on vacation and uh, there was an amount of money that was missing that was equal to the amount of money that it, he said it cost to go on his vacation. And I happened to point that out and they didn't like that. So then that was it. Um, they basically told me that they didn't want me to come back, didn't want me to do anything else. And I was like, all right, fine. I don't want anything to do with this industry. This was... Thank God. Yeah, exactly. Um, this was two, two weeks before Christmas in 2021. So yeah, that was interesting. Um, stayed with the kids and, and, and did all that. I, you know, we made it through Christmas and made it, you know, made it look like it always does, you know, through the help of, you know, friends and everything else and people and, you know, just either somehow miraculously God providing in ways um, so that the kids didn't, didn't have to suffer. And then I took a job at back in hospitality, um, went into, went into the interview with the person. Um, it was a place that was much closer. I really liked it. Um, went into the interview with the person. Only time I'd ever went into an interview and told him, Hey, I don't want this job, but I know that I have to take this job in order to be where I want to be in your company. And they hired me and I moved along pretty quickly and then started realizing that it was really a bad fit for a Christian. And that industry is not, not one that is Christian friendly. Um, I worked in the restaurant side of it and I mean, you know, restaurants are, are rough places, especially in the backside, but, um, it was just the, the people there were not genuine and I could recognize that. And I had a really hard time with people who are not genuine, pretending to be genuine to other people for their own personal gain. So that was when I really, cause I had come, we had gotten really kind of tied into the church during COVID. So really the more that we had been coming to church and everything at this particular church, was really helping me like speed up my process of my, you know, my, my walk with, with Jesus. And, and so I started recognizing things and I started feeling that can, the convictions and I started, I started to actually just like, again, cause music has always been a thing for me and it's always been something that kind of I've gone to, um, my joke, my joke that I used to tell my wife was that's how God speaks to me is through music. And I discovered the artist Zach Williams and I kind of listened to I kind of went down a road of like I started hearing his music and I'm like man there's just something about this guy's voice like there's just something different about him like I have to know his story and I I really think like as a Christian when when you start to be curious about other people's stories and their testimonies and how they got there I think that's kind of when a big shift starts to come because I'm like, okay, like I want to hear about this guy and how he came here because he seems like he may have gone through a lot of the same things that I have. And he was, he was somebody who kind of grew up in the church and he kind of talked about some things and talked about like, 
that feeling that you get when, when you know, like that, that conviction, that feeling in your stomach. And, and he was, and he was talking about like when he was saved and it was like, when he decided to do that, he's like, it was when I recognized what that was. And he's like, that was, that was the moment. Like that's, that's God telling you, Hey, you have a choice to make. Dude, I, I say this all the time that the power of a testimony, I, you know, aside from God's word, I, I, I don't know that there's a much stronger power. And I mean, if, if you think about it, this Bible is 66 books. So it's, it's the greatest story ever written, right? But what is it filled with? It's filled with people telling their story, their accounts, their encounters with Jesus. It's the, the stories of God's miracles. It's the stories of God's grace. It's the, the testimonies of God's salvation. It's the testimonies of Jesus taking the tax collector from the booth and him becoming, you know, one of the 12 disciples. I mean, it's all testimonies. It's people declaring and telling, you know, this is what God does. And so, like, I think that, like that's amazing that, you know, it was that testimony that kind of, like, snapped in your, in your brain. It was someone else's story. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's so important for, for men and women and, 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 you know, across the board, like, Tell your story. Your story can can do things that you can't even think of because really it's not your story. God's story. Yeah. It's Jesus' story. And he's, he's just using you. You're you're now his tool that he's gonna use through you to get somebody else. Because mm-hmm. that's that's the ultimate goal, right? Let me get one more person. Let me leave the ninety nine for the one. And your story may be the story. It grabs the one. Yeah. So like, that's why I always encourage people like, I, I get it, man. Things are hard to talk about. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And we can get our, I've said it before. You can get your, your point across. You can tell your story without, you know, exposing everything. You you know, find your level of comfort, but find a way that you can tell your story because mm-hmm. it's going to grab someone. Oh yeah. It will. I guarantee it every and, time. And I mean, that's, that's the whole thing that like he, he leaves the 99 for the one. I yeah. know because he went and got me same and 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 when i finally realized that it changed so much and so i i heard i heard a little bit of of you know zach williams's testimony and his story and then i just i wanted to know more so i just started i just picked up the bible and just started reading it it was like one of those things where it was like I don't know how to read a Bible, but I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to just open it up to wherever God, you know, you know, tell me where I'm supposed to read today and just read it. And then at some point there's something in there that you need. And it's like, okay, there it is again. No coincidence. All right. So then I, I, it's probably around the first of the year where we do the, um, the prayer and fasting. So, I decide for my fasting that I'm going to get rid of all my social media. Gone. Nothing. And when I did that, um, I just kind of shifted and started focusing on other things. I started praying more. And the more that I started praying, like I started realizing, man, like the job that I'm at just isn't 
like it doesn't make me feel good. Like I don't want to go there. And it's like I I regret I regret having to leave my family to go do this because it's taking time away from them. So I really started praying about it and I just one day like I came in and something something happened and I just I text Brandy and I was like um I've been praying about it and I just quit my job. And she was like okay. Okay. That was all she said. And so at that point, I literally just dove all into everything that I could. I wanted to focus back on my family. I wanted to spend time with them. Um, I wanted to dive into scripture. I wanted to, you know, figure out what it was and where I needed to be and like what my purpose was. I wanted to know what my purpose was. And I really focused a lot on that. And, and that's where I think I kind of got directed towards, you know, men and, and wanting to, wanting to help men and want to help men become better men. But the reason I want to do that is because surrounding myself with those men of God gives me so much more because I learn so much more from them than I'm actually giving, but I have something that I can offer. Um, I've, I've, I've done it pretty much all. So it's like, there's not many things that you can screw up that I haven't already screwed up. So, Hey, let me try to save you from that heartache. And, and that's what I think I needed to be. And it was like, you need to be there for your family and, and, and everything else will be okay. And I, I looked at my wife when I told her I quit my job and she was for the first time, like you could actually see like true, like panic. And I was like, babe, will be okay. God will provide. And I, I feel like I never faltered from that. And eventually it led me to something that I never thought that I was at, at a career that was never, you know, even on my radar, but has actually put me in a place where I'm at a place that I work with, where I'm surrounded by believers, which is crazy to me. And it's, gives me the opportunity to spend the time with my family because for the first time ever, I have a set schedule. It does not change. It is almost in stone. And it's like, I get off work at this time every day. I start work at this time every day. I take my lunch at this time every day. So my kids know when I'm going to be home. And that's really important to me. That's kind of where, that's kind of what got me to this point now. And now I'm just, you know, trying to navigate all of that because I don't, really know how to do that and starting work back up is kind of, you know, it's that shift of now I have to find the balance between, you know, my time with God, my time with my family, my time with kids, you know, all of that. And so it's, it's getting that new routine where I'm trying to find that. So it's finding that new, that new normal, but wanting to make sure that I don't take away my time with God because I've realized that every time that I kind of pull back at that life gets more challenging. Yes, it does. Um, first of all, uh, sorry to the listeners. If you hear the little clinking, um, we've shifted our recording spot and that is my good, my good buddy, my good dog, Doug. So, uh, sorry about that. Um, I may, I'm, I'm going to ask you a tough question. All right. Cause I know you like, I know you like the hard, we talked about, <laughs> we, we talked about before how, um, you know, sometimes we have a little bit of a script, but we just like to fire from the hip. Yep, let's do it. And so throughout this, I made an observation, okay? 
the word power. Mm. Okay. You, um, you're bullied as a kid, mm. right? And, and dad, dad started teaching these lessons and, and you knock the bully in the mouth and things changed for you. And so there was this little bit of, ooh, power. And then you said, uh, when you went to the uh, devil pups, you liked the power that came with it. Then you joined the Marine Corps and you went to, you became an MP because you liked the power that came with it. And then you joined the security industry with the power. Did you relinquish that power to God? Um, I, I really, I got him. And that's the thing, you know, it's, and you asked that question because if you would have just asked me that question five minutes ago, I would have said, yep. Mm -hmm. But right now it's like, did I? Is that conviction again? Have I relinquished it all? And it could be a daily, you know, could be a daily sacrifice. And I, I would like to say that I have, but probably not. Like, have I, have I given up that part that, that makes me feel good to, to, to basically like show my power over somebody else? Like, yeah, I have, I don't, I don't need that. Um, have I given up everything to God? No, I can honestly say like, as most men, I will tell you that I have, but so many times when it's going good, I try to take it back. And every time I try to take it back, like, I remember like, it's funny. Cause like, I always joke around like my mom, I tell everybody my mother was a saint. Um, my mother was the greatest human being in, in the world. Like the things that she did for other people and everything else, like it was amazing, but she was so much harder on me. Like I always saw the great things that she did for other people. But I remember every time that I would screw up, I would, I would get the reset button and she would just smack me in the back of the head. And, and I feel like, yeah, like daily, I just, I need that reset. And I even, you know, I have, I have things set on my phone to, to reset me. Um, like I talked to you about, like I have, I have my actual original testimony story from my baptism still on my phone so that I can reflect on it and get that reset. Um, cause I think we need it daily, multiple times a day, actually. Um, I, I listen, I'm going to tell you this. Um, I listen to your guys' podcast, like probably more than most like i listen to it multiple times and i i I, well i appreciate that um i listen to it on my lunch break and it's because like sometimes i'll have like a bad morning or something and generally what you guys are talking about or that week has something that pertains to me on that day and it will reset my perspective so that when i go back in i don't carry that anger and everything else that i would had i have that reset and i think I think for me, that's like the biggest thing that I need is the multiple resets a day. Cause I said, I'm a slow learner. Dude, I'm the same way. I listen to multiple different podcasts. Mm-hmm. I listen to different music. I listen to different, you know, books. Like I've become a book junkie, um, which I never, I never was. <laughs> I hated reading. I've always hated yeah. reading cause I'm slow at it. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to retain information. I mean, I talked about it with Alex on the podcast. Like I, you know, reading has always been hard for me and, I have challenged myself like, no, I'm doing this because I have to read 
this book. Mm-hmm. And I read this book and I read, uh, you know, other books. So I'm with you, man. I need multiple avenues of, and I, you can never have too much of this information. Yeah. And, and it's like my grandpa told me a long, 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 long time ago. Um, it might've been, you know, right before I was getting ready to go to the Marine Corps. He said, no, nah, I was even younger than that. Anyway, that's not the point. He said, <laughs> he said, everybody you meet has a piece of information that you don't keep your mouth shut and listen. And I've, dude, I've took that to heart ever since then. And I mean, I'm the guy that goes to, you know, the gathering, whatever. And, and, you know, I'm the one that's always sitting with the oldest person. I'm always talking to the old people Mm -hmm. because you know what I mean? They have that information and that knowledge. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the same thing. There's so many books out there and there's so many podcasts that they're all talking about the same thing, right? They're all talking about Jesus. They're all talking about God, Mm -hmm. but they're talking about it from a different perspective. They're talking about it. Um, from a different understanding. They're talking about it from a different background, a different story, all these things. So, I mean, I'm, dude, I'm with you. The more I can take in, the better, because I need it. Yeah, and, and and I mean, I realized, like, when I had, when I had my, when I had my security company, like, that, that pull of the secular world and that pull of the devil and that, that, that way of softening things because he doesn't come at you hard. Nope. He softens things and he makes you, makes you kind of question like, maybe it is okay, you know? And, and, and I always, I was always the protector is like, Hey, like I don't, when I, when I'm at work, I, I don't have a side. My job is this, like, it's my job to keep everybody safe. You know, the people that you like and the people that you don't like. And that's usually the hardest part is keeping the people safe that people don't like. Because sometimes you have to keep people safe that you don't like. And that's just part of the job. And it got to that point where I didn't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to be surrounded by that anymore. I don't want any of that in my life because it doesn't matter anymore. So that's why, you know, when we had that, that prayer and, and, and fasting and I gave that up, like I've never gone back to it. And it's like, probably one of the greatest decisions I've made. Like people tell me like, Oh, you're, uh, you know, my kids are always talking about stuff. I'm like, you're missing out. They do this online. I'm like, I'm not missing out on anything. I don't, I don't need that. If I need to know something, I'll know, I'll know it. But this is just a waste of my time that could be focused on something else. Man, I love it. That was dude. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that story. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, I know your story is like mine. So there's, I mean, we could talk about this for another four or five hours and still probably there's a lot of stuff that we didn't cover. Yeah. And not scratch the surface. Go back on, but yeah, that's maybe that's for a different episode and a different something else that people need to need to hear at that time. Yeah, man. And you know, like I said, Hey, Alex is gone for a little bit. So we may, we may just have to bring Aaron back. Um, and we'll talk about some other things. Um, okay. So I, one last question for you. Yes. Give me a book. Give me a good book that you um, have either recently read or you read at some point in time that you think it is important for myself and every other man listening to this to read? So when, when I first quit my job, um, I was sitting around trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, I remember right after 
COVID at church, we had done this, we had done this like teaching series and it was called out of the cave. And at the end of it, um, pastor Brian gave us all a book and mine sat for probably a year or so. And then for some reason I picked it up because I mean, I've, I've got, you know, as every person probably in the Marine Corps have issues with PTSD and all the other stuff that they tell you and all the other acronyms and all of that. So I read this book called Out of the Cave, and it's basically teaching you how to deal with depression and anxiety from a biblical perspective. And that book kind of shifted a lot with me and changed a lot of my perspective that allowed me to start going in other ways and exploring different things because it was like, Hey, I have this look at the, you know, it, there's, there's documentation of this, you know, it's not, it's, it's not a bad thing. And it's, it's a way of showing you how to deal with it. That's not the way that the world wants you to deal with it. And it's the biblical way. And I think that was one that helped me more than anything else. It's called out of the cave. Yeah, it is. Uh, I got it pulled up here. <laughs> Out of the cave, stepping into the light when depression darkens what you see by Chris Hodges. So, honey, if you're listening, put that in the Amazon cart, please, because I, uh, I'm making it a point, um, you know, to ask everybody that comes on here a good book, and I got to take it to heart. I'm gonna read it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna read that book. Um, it was a good one. It's a quick read. I think I got through it in, in a few days. Um, there's also actually a devotional on the Version app that goes with it. So oh, wow. like you can, you can kind of go along that whole time. I didn't discover the devotional until after I read the book, which was kind of sad. But uh, Since we're on the topic of books, have you read The Family Shepherd by Vody Bauckham? I have not. I've, it is one of the ones that is on my list um, Dude. To, to, to explore. Um, yeah, because I've I've been I've been hearing about it um, for the last about month. Dude, this keeps popping back up, and again, there's no coincidences. Fire, yeah, like it is the book that men need to hear. It is a slap in the face. It is it is true. Vody Bauckham to his core. I mean, it is, dude. It's good. So yeah. that would be my little nugget I would send to you and to everybody listening is Family Shepherd yeah. by Vody Bauckham. It'll it'll change the way that you view your children. It'll change the way that you um, lead your family, because uh, that's ultimately as men what we're called to do, right? We're called to shepherd our families. So yeah, awesome. Well, the other thing is we need to get Brandy on here. Brandy, my, <laughs> I know the story of when you're going to be listening to this. So yeah, so Brandy, so, uh, um, you might be the first the first woman that we have on here. <laughs> Because I, you know, just we'll wrap it up here. But you know, as I'm listening to you throughout this, you you kept saying, you know, she was the one that brought you here. She was the one, that, you know, it was it was Brandy, right? Oh, she's my rock, hundred percent. Right. And so, I get it. I hear that. But in my brain, I'm like, God wanted you, Aaron, and He chose Brandy. Mm-hmm to be his tool, to be his avenue, because he had a, you know, he had a purpose for her. That wasn't the only purpose, but, and he used her to, to, to pull you in because he had a purpose for you, and he knew that she was the person to do it. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I'm stuck on that. I, I would love to get her perspective, and even if it's not on the podcast, like, 
we got the table here. We need to get Brandy oh, yeah. over and sit her down. <laughs> and I need to get I need to get the other side of this story. That could be an interesting story for sure. Cool, man. Well, you got anything else? What else you got? Any uh, questions for me? Any last any last nuggets for the fellows? No, man. I mean, I know that we're uh, we're coming up on our first uh, men's breakfast that we're trying to do. Yeah. So really excited for that one and to try to get more men out and just to get the men in our community to, to be involved and to be willing participants in the church and not people who are just dragged down. Yeah. If you're, if you are men in our community, uh, Marysville, Washington, reach out to us. If you are men in a different community, please don't be afraid to, to band together with your brothers and, you know, get, get the guys together sit down talk about life because again like mike's talked about on here i've talked about alex talked about you could support it like accountability is huge and there's no greater accountability than god and next to that is his fellow men oh yeah in your corner um yeah man dude i'm super glad that you came here yeah i i so, greatly appreciate it yeah. it was it was an honor to have you on here it was awesome i hope that everybody uh, loved this and enjoyed it just as much as I did. Um, so yeah, dude, you got anything else? No, man, that's it. All right, man. Well then I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and close this out with a prayer and, and we'll continue on brother. All right. All right. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And as always, friends, stay bold, stay courageous, stay in the word. Yeah, hey, you tell them heaven is my destination. Until I reach there, I'm teaching this kingdom education. Hey, don't be scared to lay your hands on the sick. And don't be scared to cast the 